everyone and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's class will have us covering all of the games that have been announced during the summertime. My name is Jules and today our party members are... Mateo and Gino. Whether you're joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to like and subscribe. Now let's get this adventure rolling with some housekeeping. It's been a while since we've had... Um, well, not a while since we've had an episode, but... A while since we've recorded an episode, um, and yeah. therefore we need some housekeeping, because uh, a lot's happened. It's been a while. It has been a while. So, um, would anybody like to kick off with some stuff they've been doing? We've been playing a lot of very similar games. We've been playing the Sonic Origins Collection and Fire Emblem uh, Warriors Three Hopes. And Fire Emblem, first of all, has just been... It's so excellent. Like, it's... The best Nintendo Musou game. And I really liked Age of Calamity and the original Hyrule Warriors. But there's just something about mixing the Fire Emblem Three Houses gameplay and like the, the the whole like base and talking to all your characters. They did a really good job of crossing over and taking what was so fantastic about Three Houses and incorporating it with the Musou gameplay. I love being able to like direct my troops to go to places and things like that and having the support conversations like the original fire emblem warriors left a lot to be desired in my opinion and by just focusing on a specific game and having the direction and what worked in that game within three hopes it just makes the experience so much better like across the board honestly i i only have the demo and i'm just using that right now until mateo's finished his playthrough on his switch and I'm thoroughly enjoying that. And I'm surprised how much of this game they let you play for free with that mm -hmm. demo. I'm quite shocked. I think this is a great way for Nintendo to really show off what makes their platform special. You can definitely sink a lot of time in there and really get an idea of how the game works. Honestly, like I think what I appreciate about it the most is that it's so consistent with Three Houses. Because even though Koei Tecmo is developing, they've done a really good job of emulating fire emblem as a game in the warrior style but then also the writers of three houses are back and they've written this new scenario and it feels just very consistent i like that there's not a ton of ocs but there are a ton of new characters and most of the new characters are characters that we heard about in three houses and never really met and so like i i don't know it's like it so far it's fantastic i'm really enjoying it i think there's a lot of good twists and i think like it, what's also great about it is that while it's very connected to Three Houses and while having knowledge of the events of Three Houses really enhances the experience, it's not necessary at all. Like If you've never played Three Houses, you can jump in and you can follow the plot very easily. Or if you're a player like me that did play Three Houses and just forgot absolutely everything because you're terrible with names, it's good. Um, and then Sonic Origins Collection is you know great. I, I don't, I'm not going to speak on that one too much because right now I'm just kind of replaying games that I've played already. I've never played Sonic 3 and Knuckles, but I'm not quite there yet. But I know, Mateo, you just played Sonic CD for the first time ever. Yeah, I did. And I really, really enjoyed Sonic CD for the most part. Like, the levels were, it's not like a traditional Sonic game where you just want to get through it as fast as possible. Sonic CD encouraged a lot of exploration to get the 50 rings to then allow you to get the time stones so like the worlds have past present and future segments and i thought that was really creative but i i hit a roadblock right at the end of the game i just felt that final act of the final zone 
for me was was difficult. New enemies be- got introduced, and then I had to learn how to beat Eggman at the end, like learn the patterns and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I, I get that the final boss and the final level are supposed to be difficult, but just it's just so inconvenient when you die and then you have to go all the way back to the beginning and then go through a really long portion. And it just it just grinded my gears a little bit at the end. But all in all, I still really liked Sonic CD for the most part. Uh, it's funny because like we talked and we're like, wow, to think like Metal Sonic and Amy were made before Tails. Yeah, insane. I, I I lived my whole life thinking Sonic Two came out before Sonic CD, but I have to say though the animations in Sonic Origins, the new animations they made for the beginning and end of each game are phenomenal. They're fantastic. I, I want them to make more of those. Make a TV show. Yeah, make a TV show. That'd be brilliant. Those are so well done. On top of that, um, another thing that's unrelated to gaming that's happened is. Kenobi's done. We all finished it. I thought it was excellent. I know that there were some reluctance around and caution around the show in the early episodes because it started off a bit slow. Um, but I think that it just nailed it. Like it, it ultimately hit all the tones that I felt like it needed to. It did. It gave us everything we wanted, but not in a fan servicey way. Like I'd never felt like those like those moments that were meant to really like service the fans felt unnecessary or undeserved or unrewarded. Um, it never felt like they were just there. I don't want to spoil the show, but I, I, they were sparing, they were small, but they enhanced the overall story. And I thought it was excellent. Like I, mm-hmm. I still think it's the best show they put out. Um, I know I'm probably alone on that one because everybody's Mandalorian high. Um, but I, I personally don't love the Mandalorian. So Obi-Wan is like my favorite live action show they put out. Honestly, yeah, I have to I have to agree with you where like the show was I feel like it was very good for the fans. It, basically exactly the way that you said it, Jules. Like it was a, it was a very good show for the fans but didn't overstuff you with fan service moments and things. Like for instance, when the dude said the thing, I got very 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 happy instantly. And then like 20 seconds later the dude saw the thing and that made Mateo very, very happy. Like the same level of happy, albeit for different reasons. And I will stay vague just to like, it's still kind of fresh and yeah, I don't want to spoil. We should kind of, yeah, I don't want to spoil any moments. Especially because it's it's just, yeah, we're in a gaming topic today. So maybe we'll do an episode about uh, Star Wars or Kenobi in the future, but overall Kenobi great. If you haven't watched it and you like Star Wars, definitely watch it, especially if you like the prequels. Yeah. And other than that, I don't know if there's any other glaring things to talk about. I guess really we spent a lot of our time just watching the conferences and just discussing the implications of things. Like I know I know like the past few days until like when we put up the Nintendo Predictions podcast, we were very hesitant to do that because <laughs> we recorded yeah. it such a long time ago. And it's like, okay, do we post it? Are the, is Nintendo doing something? And then we realized it was just a partner showcase. And we're like, crap, do we still post what we recorded? And we ultimately decided that we would just to share like what we were hoping to get. And it's mm-hmm. good that future Mateo kind of came in and just kind of like tempered expectations a bit. And, and like a lot of the stuff we did predict for the direct all those weeks ago, like three, four weeks ago, whenever we recorded it, that's going to be relevant whenever they do announce another Nintendo Direct 
like an actual Nintendo Direct with first-party announcements. So I'm sure we're going to talk more about Nintendo Directs in general today. So I think we should start from the top with Microsoft. Yeah, we could start from Microsoft. I think the most notable thing for me from Microsoft's conference, which I think was, like, I know Gino, you, me, Riley, and Joe were all like, whoa, like, came out of left field and was kind of exciting and completely, like, out of nowhere, like something I didn't even think I'd be excited about was the fact that Riot Games and Xbox are teaming up to put Game Pass users onto League of Legends by offering them all of the champions for free, which is nuts. Yeah, that is literal thousands of dollars worth of value right there. Yeah, well, I don't know thousands of dollars, but definitely hundreds. And yeah, like we had a big League of Legends phase during early pandemic era where we had so much time on our hands that even playing Animal Crossing for 15 hours a day wasn't enough and we needed something else to break up the time. So we started playing League of Legends, as one does when they have way too much time on their hands. But I feel like this is potentially going to bring me back to it, at least for a little bit. Um, Because then I have the freedom to really try who I want to try. Like, that's what I always hated about League of Legends is, like, you're playing a hero, you're playing a champ, and then you see another person's champ, and you're like, oh, that's a really cool character. Now I'm going to try to grind out currency or pay real money to try and get that character, and then you might never get that character. Whereas, like, I feel like the experimentation will be really fun, although I'm sure it will breed a very toxic community because they will be upset that there's a lot of newbies just trying out random players but sucks suck league of legends players if only i could take advantage of this because like my xbox series x is more powerful than most people's computers and you can plug a keyboard and mouse into the system yet they don't put league of legends on console like if they put it on console and i could take advantage of the game pass perks it's not it's pc only no they're putting league of legends on console it's just a different application it's called wild rift oh is that is that the the console one game That's the mobile game. Oh, the mobile one? Okay. But then there's another one that's coming to consoles. I don't know what it's called, but there is a console League of Legends that is in development. But it will not be... It's not technically the same game as the PC one. Yeah, and it probably won't be compatible with the Game Pass perks. Like, they probably won't offer that. Either way, like, I don't think anybody's going to play it on console. (laughs) Mateo can hope. Well, not really. I'd rather not have to play League because, like, there's already there's just so much to play and I just don't want to split you know split my time another way with a game that's just literally a a time suck what we'll do is we'll go play some League of Legends like this will inspire us to go play League of Legends we'll play like two games realize like five hours has gone by and be like this is too much time and we'll hop back on Pokemon Unite I haven't played that in a while I'm I really like Pokemon Unite but on to more Xbox stuff is there anything that really caught your guys's uh attention just in general my thoughts of the xbox conference were not that great for obvious reasons was very disappointed but just in general i don't like the approach microsoft took by confining their presentation to only the next 12 months worth of releases as a lot of stuff that they've announced years ago still isn't even a year out which is mind-boggling to me but everything is coming to game pass obviously but the two games i really wanted to talk about were high on life uh, is a game made by swanch games like justin roiland's essentially game studio that he made justin roiland being the one of the co-creators of rick and morty i just love the personality of that game how like your weapons talk to you it's hilarious i heard high on life was actually supposed to be a google stadia game but 
you know how Google Stadia is God, so they they partnered up with Xbox, and and it's going to be on other, everything eventually. But that game just looks like it's going to be a blast, and I'm all in. Oozing personality, literally oozing personality. And then uh, the other game, just quickly, is the last case of Benedict Fox, which is sort of going to be like a Metroidvania, but it's it's very like Eldritch Horror E. I don't know, like. It, it looked really cool, and it's on Game Pass, so I'm going to try it out like I did with other indie games. So I, I think those are the games I'm most excited for from Xbox this year. Everything else is just, it is what it is. And Persona. <laughs> yes. Well, let's be very clear. Mateo is excited about Persona 5 Royal, not the other two. I've played Persona 4 Golden already. Three games are big. They're big gets. Yes. They are big gets. And know what? Like, I regret that I played Persona 4 Golden last year on my buddy's PSTV, which constantly kept crashing. And it was like, yeah, sometimes it would just freeze. And then I would lose save data. Did it a few times at the beginning of the game. And I was like, I don't know if I want to keep going. So I just pushed it through and it just didn't do it again. And I was like, okay. I beat the final boss, and it did it. Like, before the final cutscene. I had to go watch the final cutscene online. I was like, I'm not doing this boss again. But in any case, I wish I'd waited. But I'm excited about Persona 3, because I really do want to play Persona 3. I've wanted to, and I've been waiting for, hopefully, a remaster, so that's exciting. Persona 3 is an expensive PSP game. Persona 4 Golden is, you know, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive, but you have to buy a Vita. And Vita is just like annoying. Yeah, yeah. But it's, right? but it's also on Steam. Yeah, true. Right, is it coming to Game Pass Ultimate for PC? Because I would love to play Persona Four. Uh, yes, Persona, they're also Persona coming to PC. Yeah. Okay. They're coming to PC as well. Um, and then they're also coming to PS Five, and as we found out today, also Switch. One last thing, I actually discovered this today. Persona Five Royal is getting a physical release on all the platforms. Oh, really? Yeah. That's exciting. But 3 and 4 are not. They're digital only. So you can buy Persona 5 Royal copy on Xbox and the Switch if you want, but the other games, unfortunately, the like physically those are more valuable games, yet you will not be able to buy another one physically. Like the price of a PSP copy of Persona 3 will still be crazy. So yeah, they'll go down and then they'll correct, but it's it's not going to be as dramatic. Like collectors are unfortunately still going to have to buy the the PSP version. Anyway, uh, Gino, did you have anything that really caught your eye during the Xbox conference? Yes, I I'm very much looking forward to the new Minecraft game, uh, Minecraft Legends. Ah. Uh, so it's going to be like a third person RTS game, uh, in the sense where it's kind of like a like a lower down camera. You're following your main character, and basically it's like the uh, the creatures of the overworld so the playable character and like you get to team up with like zombies skeletons creepers like the normal minecraft mobs and you're taking on the uh, the evil forces of the nether and the piglins like it's a really cool concept and it uh from what we saw in some of the gameplay stuff and some of the things that nintendo were showing off in their uh partner direct today there was only like 20 seconds of like gameplay footage shown but it kind of looked like the RTS elements of Brutal Legend, if you remember that. 
I think that's really, really cool because like RTS is, it's a really tricky genre to design for in these days. Uh, there's not a lot of, like there really hasn't been like a big, big RTS since StarCraft II. Hopefully that can change with the new game by Frost Giant, but I would like to see this Minecraft game succeed and especially bring RT- RTS games to a new a new audience. And like a lot of Minecraft fans are a lot younger and they may not have played an RTS game before, so it'd be really good to like bring this genre to them to find like mm. a new fan base. I'm really excited because I just like my, the idea of Minecraft in general. I've been playing that game for the past 10 years. I had a little bit of a Let's Play thing going with Adrenal for a while, and I would love to to play this game. And of course, like, Starfield, Elder Scrolls. Yeah, well... But yeah, Minecraft is like the big thing I'm super excited for. Well, before I move away from Microsoft, I did actually want to touch on one of the games that you just mentioned there. I want to touch on Starfield. I think I've mentioned it multiple times because Starfield's come up in multiple topics over the course of our podcast. And I've very much, I feel, expressed how indifferent I am to the idea of Starfield. Just because I'm just like, meh, space, space Elder Scrolls, like it is what it is. And But I was still interested in seeing them sh- really show it off. And somehow... They made me so disinterested in the game by what they showed off. Like when they first showed it off, like when it first opened, I was like, okay, this looks interesting. Like I can get on board with this. It's like, it's like Elder Scrolls, but in space. I like space. I can do it. But the second that they said, like, I think they said like 6,000 explorable planets, I was just like, ugh. They said 1,000. Either way, that put such a bad taste in my mouth. What it basically implies is when you have that amount of explorable planets, it basically tells you that what's going to be on those planets. Pre-generated, boring, like barren world, like like there's not they're not developing like they're going for quant quantity over quality. Like I would rather them have like a dozen planets that are all super developed. They create the cultures of those planets. They have their own species and races, and they're like interesting rather than them throwing a number like a thousand at me. Because when you throw a number like that at me, I know for a fact there's no way you put heart into all a thousand of those. Like you're just throwing a number out there, and that really made me sick because I, I don't like open world games that have just like way too much explorable space that have no intention behind them. I will challenge you on one thing, though, and maybe this might make you reconsider, Jules. From what we've heard from, like, different developer, like, either interviews or talks or, like, that people have had. I'm not sure if this came right from Todd Howard or just, like, people working on the game. But one of the big inspirations for what Starfield is is kind of, like, they want to go for that kind of, like, NASA explorer kind of field, right? And if you think about it, there's a thousand planets in this game I would hope that there's a at least a handful of them that are desolate and barren and have nothing on them because newsflash that's what's actually out there in the real universe, right? And if they're if they're going for yeah. that more like realistic kind of approach or like a grounded approach, yes, okay, there's going to be like space pirates and robots and stuff running around and like I'm I'm assuming there's also going to be a bunch of alien species. But if they're going for that more grounded space approach, walking around a barren planet like you would have done in Mass Effect 1, is a lot more acceptable than what we actually got just say for Mass Effect 1, which was this big open world kind of beautiful kind of adventure game, right? They're completely they're completely different. So I can be more forgiving of like, okay, go to Desolate Planet 52 and collect 30 pieces of rock. Because like 
that's what the majority of the actual planets out there are. A thousand is way too many, but it gives you some variety when you're collecting those rocks. I guess so. And like from a purely like realism point, like I get your point. It's just like I I have grown tired of open world games in general, mostly because of their scale and because I get bored of them and I'm like I don't want to explore everything. And so when they threw a number like that out at me, I was just like that's just too big. I know there's no possible way that they intentionally created each of these 1000 planets to be interesting. And so regardless of what their reasoning is, that means part of like a big part of portion of the game is just going to be boring and barren. And that yeah. I'm just telling you like that's just what I'm saying it's for Starfield for me. That really put a bad taste in my mouth to the point where I'm just like I can't manage another open world game that's going to be that big. And I remember talking to Riley about it too after and he kind of said the same thing. He's just like that's just too much. It's just like I'd rather something like Mass Effect where there's like six explorable planets but they put heart into the planets than to have something like Starfield where they're like, look how many we have. And it's like, okay, that's great. This doesn't feel like ambition anymore. This just feels like they just want it to be big. As long as it's not taking away resources and core development time, I don't really care. It's just like a big number. As long as people don't get too hung up on that idea. Like, I feel like this game is still going to be okay. I'm sure it'll still be an exceptional game. Okay, well, does anybody have any other last things to say about Xbox, or do we want to move kind of forward? I'm down to move on. I could care less about Starfield. <laughs> um, well, then let's move into, like, general, like, summer games. So I, I don't know if... The only game I want to mention from, like, that summer games little presentation was just a little, like, small indie game called um, The Plucky Squire. Like, I don't know why, but, like, I saw the trailer and I was like, whoa, this looks awesome. It's a Devolver game. It's almost like a Zelda kind of game, but you play it on, like, the canvas of, like, a book, but then he can jump out and then it becomes, like, a 3D adventure, and it looks really, really cute and really cool. So I'm excited about that. And I also forgot to mention with that, the Xbox One story, while we're on the topic of indie games, that Hollow Knight Silk Song is coming out within the next 12 months, which is very hype. Very hype indeed. Mm-hmm. Really weird that that was at Xbox, but I guess Nintendo also had stuff that was shown at Xbox, so like they kind of stole each other's thunder. Yeah, well, actually, like speaking to that, not to double back to Persona, but Joe and I were actually talking about this, um, and we are fairly certain that based off of how the Persona collection was announced today in Nintendo's Direct versus how it was brought into Xbox... Me and Joe think that Nintendo was supposed to be announcing this collection. Like when E3 got cancelled and they pushed back their their direct and they changed it. That's the thing is Atlas has their own Persona event going on, like their own anniversary event that's been going on the last year. And they have the like general times of all the Persona announcements already pre-announced. And so I think when Nintendo did that, Atlas was like, well, sorry, like you guys can't be the first ones to announce it then. And then Microsoft just threw it into theirs because they like kind of like when they talked about Persona in Microsoft, it almost felt like it was like an afterthought. They were just kind of like, oh, by the way, we really like our Japanese partners. Here's Persona versus like, you know, Nintendo's was like it was the end of their thing. Like it was supposed to be like this big announcement and like they had like this pre-created like Morgana and Teddy talking about the games like it seemed way like more of a big deal in the way they presented it and I can't envision that Nintendo 
if they had known that it had already been announced by that point would have had that. I feel like Nintendo fans also just care more in general because they're more similar to the Sony fans than actual Xbox fans. That is also true. But yeah, and then I guess there was also the state of play um, where a few games were announced, notable games. Street Fighter Six. I know Yako is very excited about. Does it still have the ugly logo? No, they changed the logo. Oh, they changed ugly logo? Okay. Then Resident Evil 4 Remake, which is coming out very soon. It comes out in March, and it looks very exceptional. Like, it's one of the, if not the best horror game of all time, so that's, like, a big deal. There's a lot of pressure on them to nail that remake because I know Resident Evil 3 remake kind of like I, I'm not no Resident Evil fan, but just just listening to what the community and a lot of people had to say about that game, like two was exceptional. People loved that game. It was nominated for game of the year and things like that. But three kind of just came and went and Capcom essentially cannot afford Resident Evil 4 remake to end up the way that three did because Four is still considered to be the best game in the series, and it's one of the best, like you said, one of the best horror games ever made. Well, the thing is, four will end up like that, no matter what. Like, no matter what, I can tell you right now, four will be divisive. And that's because they, and they've been very clear about this. They've they've said this since they started remaking them. Like, we're reimagining them. We're not remaking them. Like we're modernizing the controls and we're yeah. altering the story and modernizing the story. And with two, people liked it because, you know, like two is super outdated and like the the changes felt like, oh, well, they changed this to make the story more like modern because the story and the storytelling was outdated because it's from PS1. But then when you get to Resident Evil 3 people were a bit more pissed off that there were so many changes and they're like, mm, I don't like this. This is distasteful. And that's only going to be worse with four. It's like with the final fantasy seven remake deal, right? Like it's like when you have a game that's held up to be this Holy grail, even if there's like minor changes, they'll nitpick everything. Yeah. And ultimately like I'm confident that resident evil four remake will be a better game than resident evil four. But will the community agree? Probably not. Because Resident Evil 3, like, honestly, Resident Evil 3 Remake, objectively, is way better than Resident Evil 3. And it's really good. The only reason it's not as great as Resident Evil 2 is because Resident Evil 3 isn't as good as Resident Evil 2. So, of course, remaking Resident Evil 3 means that yeah, the game the foundation isn't, isn't as good. Yeah, like, exactly. Right? Like, you can only do so much. Speaking of Remake... Well, before we get to Remake, we will segue. We're getting close. Yeah. We have one more segue because there was one other game announced in uh, the, the state of play, which is Final Fantasy 16. And Final Fantasy 16 looks incredible. It is so different from any Final Fantasy game that's ever come before. It is not a straight up RPG, it is like an action game. I'm speaking off my coat right now. Like, I'm just like, I don't know if this is correct, but I remember reading something like this. The person who was in charge of designing the combat for Final Fantasy 16, I believe is one of the designers for Devil May Cry. Like, the combat is action. The combat is not RPG. It is action with a bit of RPG elements, but like, even more so than we've seen in things like Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Like, this is like, action at its core. To the point where, like, even though there's a party, you can't play as anybody but the main character. You can play as the summons. The summons are playing heavily into the story. And, in my opinion, the best thing that they announced was that the game is not open world. 
which a lot of people are very upset about. And I love what the director said. Not every game needs to be open world, because the reality is, open world is good for game design, but open world is limiting when it comes to telling a narrative. And if we want to tell a narrative, a fixed narrative, that we are very passionate about, we can't give the players the agency to go wherever they want, whenever they want, because it doesn't make sense in the context of the narrative. So instead, you'll be plopped into areas similar to like Assassin's Creed 2 is kind of how he almost like described it, where like the story will take place at different times in different areas, and you'll be able to explore that area, but you're never going to have the option to be able to explore the whole world. You're going to be plopped into like, okay, you're in this, for this part of the game, you're in this nation and you're, you can explore that nation for that part of the game. But once you move on, you're gone. You're done exploring it and you're exploring somewhere else. And I think that's better. I'm actually very excited about the game because it sounds like they're doing what they want. They have a vision. They are executing that vision and it will be something very different than what we've experienced. And I'm, I'm happy for that. I feel like we almost need like a renaissance of like non-open world games. Yeah, we do. Like, yes, we understand Breath of the Wild was great, but you can't make everything Breath of the Wild. It, not everything works in that. I would love to be wrong about Sonic, but I don't know. I don't know why I brought Sonic into this. That's one thing we haven't talked about yet. Like, we got we got a little bit more for Sonic. Uh, oh, we t- but we talked about Sonic in our housekeeping for last episode. Well, like, yeah, not not everything needs to be open world. I feel like they shouldn't have to justify it, but the world we live in makes them like need to justify it. Well, unfortunately, we live in this time of gaming where I feel like we really have gotten to a point where games are evolving beyond what they used to be. And unfortunately, we still live in a time where there's a lot of gatekeeping and there's a lot of people who grew up with certain games that were certain styles or certain ways, and they feel like they should always be that way. And Final Fantasy has had that curse for a long time. Like, People have written off Final Fantasy for for like its last five games just because Square's just like we're we don't want to tell these stories in turn based action anymore because ultimately and like they've gone on record saying this and I I fully agree they say like the core of Final Fantasy was never turn based RPG it was storytelling narrative was the core of Final Fantasy and when you were in the SNES era era or even the PS one era like what made the most sense for narrative storytelling was turn-based RPGs because that's what was available. And that was what we could make like these big worlds. We had to, we were limited to that because there wasn't a lot of open world games in the, in the way that we know them now. And there, there wasn't a lot of opportunities to explore narrative unless you had a text heavy game with um, RPG elements. It, It was different. Whereas now we live in a time where you can tell these narratives in different ways. And in fact, turn-based RPGs kind of slow down the narrative and kind of limit the narrative now. And so with technology evolving and gameplay evolving, the old style of Final Fantasy just doesn't serve the intention of Final Fantasy, which is to tell a narrative that's enhanced by its gameplay. And if Final Fantasy is going to be really grand and action-heavy and like exhilarating, it's going to suck if that exhilaration is stopped by you going into a turn-based fight that takes you half an hour to beat. Like that's ultimately what they're kind of talking about is like you, the excitement you feel playing the game should match what's happening in the story and turn-based just doesn't suit that anymore. And I'm, and I, I personally agree. And I know a lot of people don't. 
Speaking of Final Fantasy fans who get mad about everything, let's move into the <laughs> other device of Final Fantasy games. Final Fantasy VII anniversary is this year. They had a presentation, and they killed it. They announced two games. They announced a full remaster of Crisis Core. Yes. Which is super hype. And it's it, honestly, I've never seen a remaster like this. Like, they completely, like from the ground up rebuilt all the environments all the models like it looks exceptional this is like the finest line of like remake remaster in my opinion i have no horse in this race like i do not care about final fantasy at all like but i do respect final fantasy and i do respect final fantasy 7 in the whole world how like this essentially one game within a series became its own series and I, I just yeah. love that. And there's very few games that have that ability to spin off from a series and, and become its own thing. Like, I personally think Ocarina of Time could have been that for Nintendo. But regardless of that, I think that this Final Fantasy VII anniversary event was probably the best event out of any of the ones we're talking about. Crisis Core looks... And I, I, I know the significance of Crisis Core, and I'm like, that is an awesome thing to do for that game. And then the whole yeah. thing with the other the other announcements about Final Fantasy VII remake and and its other and its sequels. That's another thing. I'm like, awesome. I watched Gino play Final Fantasy VII remake. I demoed it at PAX. I had fun playing it, and I enjoyed that experience because it's more entry level. I don't like JRPGs very much. And going back to what you said about Final like Final Fantasy XVI, like it, that's more inviting for a novice like me that type of gameplay yeah. is way more entry level and way more forgiving in a way for people that just don't like traditional jrpgs so that's why i actually might try crisis core i might try seven remake like i might actually play that myself now i can't wait to get back into crisis core because i remember playing that game on psp it was it was my first taste of like a like a jrpg that outside of let's just say i'm gonna say pokemon and i know that that might cause some like grief or cringe in some of our viewers and stuff because like it's, it's one of those things where like i only had like pokemon and stuff i had psp which introduced me to all these like wonderful new non-nintendo ips and when playing through crisis core i remember just as a kid going through everything and being like why is cloud here and then it re then I realized, oh, wait a minute, that's the Buster story. This is Final Fantasy VII. Oh, okay. Wait, what? There's a whole universe inside of Final Fantasy VII. What would make this? Eight? No, that can't be, because 13's out. And it was it was just kind of confusing. Like, that was my gateway into Final Fantasy proper. And being able to go back to that game, seeing all those environments, reliving the story, and just seeing all these wonderful characters like NGL, seeing Zach Fair in there and like how their worlds are all intermingled it's going to be great and it's also a really good tie-in to the, the next part of the final fantasy 7 remake series yeah. was a rebirth yeah rebirth and at the end of final fantasy 7 remake spoiler alert zach fair is around that's not yeah. supposed to happen and by bringing him back in a significant way by retelling his story is a great way to get fans invested again it never even occurred to me after the ending of Remake that Crisis Core was the most obvious thing to do next. 
Like, I didn't even think about that. Like, it never occurred to me. And it made so much sense once the rumbling started to happen that it might get announced, and it did. I was like, this all makes a lot of sense. Even, like, at the beginning of the year, when they a- announced the Final Fantasy VII remake, or sorry, Final Fantasy VII anniversary event, and they showed off the logo, the logo was Cloud, Zack, and Sephiroth. They had put it in front of us all along, and nobody mm-hmm. really put the pieces together. And it's so exciting. And... It also begs the question of because they the only things they're really changing is of course they're doing a bit of quality of life and they've redone like all of the visuals but they've also redone the voice cast all the voice acting is now the new voice cast which to me implies that this version of Crisis Core is taking place within the universe of remake which makes me wonder if the ending is going to be different it would be really cool if they had both like a classic ending and then they have like this other ending as well yeah speaking to rebirth it's also very exciting to see how quickly like i think this is a quick turnaround i think four years is way shorter than i thought because i was thinking square enix time and square enix time tends to be long so i'm very excited that it's coming out next year i'm very excited that they're only doing three games because i think my worry was that they were going to try and go for four or five and then this was just going to take forever so three sounds great. And like they've already started work on the third game. So the third game's probably gonna have a quicker turnaround than the second game did. So realistically, like we'll probably have had the whole saga release within seven years of each other. I know a lot of people are upset because they are worried about the amount of changes that might happen. To those people, I say go play the original game if you're if you're so concerned. And I'm super excited. I'm excited whether they change nothing whether they do some small changes or whether they go crazy and change everything like i'm on board for it i'm on board for the ride like i really like what they're doing and i'm just in general very excited to see if they bring in more of the crisis core cast into like the main series but with that i don't want to get too spoilery so i think i'm just gonna leave it with we will explore Final Fantasy VII remake theories in another episode. Um, and then the last thing, of course, that last kind of announcement thing that happened this month was today, um, the third-party Nintendo Direct Mini. And there were uh, quite a number of unexpected things in there. Just before we get into it, like uh, the whole like diehard Nintendo community was pretty deflated going into today which resulted in me going into this direct with absolutely zero expectations. And I have to say, coming out of the direct, I think third-party-wise, this is the one of the most solid showings Nintendo's ever had in a direct. And if you would have thrown in a few more third-party announcements and whatever usual first-party stuff we would have expected from Nintendo, this could have been one of the best Nintendo directs. But because obviously there's no first party stuff and it was only 25 minutes, but it it was still really, really, really good. I'm shocked by how many games that were announced in this that I actually really want to play. I didn't watch the whole thing because I was getting ready for work this morning, but I kind of like zipped through it here and there. I honestly wasn't expecting to see them just dropping like, oh yeah, by the way, there's a demo for Monster Hunter. Try it out. I've never been interested in like in Monster Hunter outside of maybe like Monster Hunter World for a little bit. I might give that a go, give the series a chance. Nier Automata got announced that 
is a pretty big announcement. That's a game a lot of people have wanted on Switch. And it's coming, I think, in October, which is relatively soon. And then there was, obviously, the Persona stuff. There was... Mario and Rabbids. Yeah, and Mario and Rabbids got a release date of October 20th. And tomorrow, Ubisoft is doing their own sort of presentation of the game and three dlc i don't know if expansions is the right word but the donkey kong dlc and mario and rabbits was phenomenal are we gonna get three of those i doubt it yeah right because it'll probably be two small things and then one big expansion at the end or three of the same size right like they're adding more characters in in yeah. it which is interesting i just love the whole like mario galaxy vibe that the game has like instead of getting yeah. coins for defeating enemies you get star bits yeah that's so cool and i like that bowser's playable that's really, that's really exciting mm-hmm. we know all the characters at this point unless rosalina is a playable character because like there's rabid rosalina i might be wrong i have to check but i'm pretty sure they said that there's nine playable characters and right now we know mario luigi peach bowser and then we know rabid luigi rabid peach rabid rosalina and then that other rabid the goth yeah. one maybe there's one more so they cut yoshi yeah i think yoshi's cut altogether yoshi and rabbit, yeah yoshi and rabbit yoshi looks like they were cut and i think rabbit mario's cut unless rabbit mario was there i don't honestly don't remember but like my main team was just Mario, Peach, and regular Luigi I used. So it's like very different. So I'm curious to see how it ends up working out. I think they were, they played it very safe in the first game because they didn't know how people would receive just the crossover in general. But now they're going all in, and I, I'm down for that. The original is so good. It's one of my favorite games on Switch. And the Donkey Kong DLC is just even better, in my opinion. But huge fan. Two thumbs up for mario and rabbits and i think the two biggest games though that we're probably going to spend time talking about at least for me that i'll talk about the one i really am looking forward to is the Mega Man battle network collection i'm not a Mega Man fan but i love the battle network games i believe i played the original on psp i know it didn't come out on psp but we played game boy advance games on psp and i never beat it but i really enjoyed it i own Battle Network 2 and Battle Network 3 Blue, I believe it's 3 Blue, on Game Boy Advance. There were six games that released on Game Boy Advance, which is insane, because the Game Boy Advance really was only Nintendo's flagship handheld for three years. And they released six games, and one and two are standalone, in terms of there's there's only one version of each of those games. But Battle Network 3, 4, 5, and 6 both have two versions, and all the versions of the games are in the collection. So there's 10 games total. But as excited as I am for these games, they're not currently announced to come out on Xbox. They've been announced for Switch, PC, and PlayStation 5. But there's no word of anything for Xbox yet. And to be honest with you, if it doesn't come out on Xbox, I don't know if I have the motivation to buy and play it elsewhere. Mateo's very achievement-oriented. Well, it's not achievements. It's also like Microsoft rewards or and and things like that. And just the Xbox is my platform of choice. And regardless, though, like it's like with the Persona Three and and uh, Persona Four Golden. Like a lot of these Battle Network games are very expensive, especially the first one. Like, good luck finding a cartridge. I think a cartridge of that game is like pushing two hundred dollars. 
So just the fact that these games are playable elsewhere is a godsend. And I'm happy that people that would want that would want to play these games and give them a chance are able to because they're not like regular Mega Man games. It's an RPG and then the combat is a tactics game essentially. I just love the mix of gameplay and also like I was a big fan of the TV show when the TV show was out too. So just everything about Battle Network like that's my favorite Mega Man and the, it just came out of nowhere. No one was expecting this. It was a very surprising announcement. In fact, that whole segment there was a very surprising announcement because it opened with a Super Bomberman R2, mm-hmm. which was very cool. And I was like, oh, I was really excited. Um, and then they showed off the Battle Networks. So I was like, oh, that's a that's a big surprise. And then they showed off Pac-Man World Repack, which I'm super excited about. I love anything 3D platformers. I believe I've played Pac-Man World on PS1 when I was a kid, but like never enough to remember it. It's supposed to be pretty good. I know. That's why I'm super excited. Because, like, Clonoa is also coming out in a week. So, like, there's a lot of 3D platformers that are getting remade that I'm really excited about. It's coming out in August, I believe. And then the other game that was shown off that I thought was really cool was Blank. Mm -hmm. It was that, like, little narrative adventure game with the the deer or the fawn and the, the wolf cup. I got some serious Ori vibes from that trailer. The game looks really good. One of them's going to die. I got that feeling too. <laughs> there was no Bayonetta. Is that game going to get delayed? They they didn't show it here. But in general though, we saw Mario and Rabbids. It's coming out this year. We've talked about this separately in other discussions we've had in person and whatever. That yes, it's disappointing that Nintendo didn't show what they're personally working on. But in a way, they don't really need to because they have so many games coming out this year. Fire Emblem just came out. We have Xenoblade, Mario and Rabbids, Splatoon 3, Pokemon. Advance Wars is probably coming out this year. Bayonetta 3 is potentially coming out this year. Almost every month coming up, there is something to play. And there's rumors of another game coming out in November. I don't want to spoil what it is, just in case people don't want to hear it. We're still going to have hope that there is going to be another like a regular Nintendo Direct maybe in August or September hopefully even in July like maybe they do it earlier but there will be news of new games coming out this year and Nintendo just can sit back and let the third party games speak for themselves and the games that they already announced that are coming out this year speak for themselves like Crisis Core is coming out on Switch this year too like Crisis Core is coming out on all platforms. Is it a cloud version or an actual, like, honest to goodness? Version? Actual version. I feel like I would want that on Switch almost, just be just to like kind of like have those like that nostalgia moment of playing that game on portable. Don't get it on Switch, Gino. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna run like ass. It ran badly on PSP too. So Sonic Frontiers is coming to Switch. Like, w- I'm not gonna buy it on Switch. If I buy it, I'll buy it on Xbox. But like Nintendo's showing of Sonic Frontiers was more exciting than anywhere that that game was shown in the last month. I don't know why Sega chose to hold back until now to show off the Cyber Zone or whatever the heck they call it. That's really cool. But just there's a lot of stuff coming to Switch this year, and we're just going to have to be patient to see what Nintendo has in store. The other thing, too, I meant to mention at the beginning, um, I don't even know if you know this, Mateo, um, because I know you didn't wake up for the, the Direct this morning, but me and Joe were talking about it. This Direct was the first Direct, I think, ever. 
that wasn't live streamed. Yeah, they just dropped it, which was great because then it let me skip through the things I didn't want to watch. Yeah, well, that's what I did too. I skipped <laughs> I did that the too. entire beginning with Monster Hunter. Like, and it's like, like, whoa, they spent like four minutes on Monster Hunter. Okay, I don't need to watch this. No offense, people that like Monster Hunter. I feel like that's also better for like Nintendo's analytics and stuff too, because like we can actually see, at least in our analytics, where people are watching the videos and everything until right and we can see how many people stick around to the very end and like what's exciting what people are skipping to and all that stuff releasing the whole video all at once is way better for for their optics and analytics to see what people are actually interested in and then just lastly the nintendo actually is they did a treehouse segment for live alive so at least the treehouse is doing something like they had like a a nice sort of sitting area set up where they demoed the game like how we normally see it so i'm Part of me thinks they make this big setup for Live Alive. Maybe they'll do something in a couple weeks where they'll reuse that and show off their own games. I'm just going to be very optimistic with what Nintendo does because I really think at any point they could, if they wanted to, they could show something and be successful doing that. Uh, At the same time, like if you would have talked to me before this partner showcase, I would have been very, very, my outlook would have been very different. But I am very, very pleasantly surprised with how well this Direct impressed me. So that's all I have to say about the Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase. That's a lot of syllables. Does anyone else have anything to add? Or any other games we're forgetting about that were announced? I think that's it. Gino, take us away. That brings us to the end of today's quest. If you liked what you heard today, hit that like, subscribe, and follow button below. If you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know any ideas you have for upcoming quests, or just share your ideas, leave us a comment, we do read them all. Anyway, that's everything from us here at the Hub World. Mateo? Microsoft, make a new Banjo game. See everybody. Bye.